Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, and welcome back. I have something fun and helpful up my sleeve for you today. Um, But before we dive in, I just wanted to say that I am so excited to reconnect with you as always and so grateful to you for listening. I know you have lots of options out there on the podcast you choose to give your time and attention to, and I am just always so grateful for you choosing mine. Now, if you have been around here for some time, you know that every month I choose a theme. Okay, actually, we should rewind because if you haven't been around here for some time and if you are new here, uh, real quick, I'm Emily Aborn, the host of this podcast, and no matter who else joins me on here each week, sometimes I have a guest, sometimes it's just me, but you can always rely on the fact that you will hear something from me for better or worse. Um, And in addition to being the host of this podcast, I'm also a freelance content writer and the founder and leader of a group called She Built This, which is where listeners of this podcast, like you, get the opportunity to go a little bit deeper into a whole community built around women entrepreneurship. It's easy to remember, since that's also the name of the podcast you're listening to right now, and you can just search it in Facebook. Um, She Built This is definitely not your average networking kind of business group, and it's definitely not your average Facebook group. It's a community to explore who you are, what works for you, and how to get where you're going. If you are a positive-minded entrepreneur and you love supporting others as well as being cheered on in whatever you're building, I definitely invite you to check it out. Um, If you can't find us on Facebook or you want to learn more about She Built This in general, you can also visit us at shebuiltthis.org. Okay, so now with that backstory for the new listeners, let's get into this month's theme. As I said, each month I choose a theme for the group, uh, the podcast, and it's also what I focus on in my content writing, in my in my content writing business as well. This month's theme is communication, and I dare say that that is pretty darn fitting for an entrepreneurship group, a podcast, and a content writer, if you ask me. Um, A couple episodes ago in episode 154, I went a little bit philosophical and I broke down three keys of communication that I personally have been reflecting on. And then last week in episode 155, Erin Alilla and I got extremely tactile and talked about communication as part of the client experience and what we need to factor in when working with others. Today... I have the audio from that reel in my head that's like, everything is content, everything is content. And I want to talk about how to think about what communication and content is right for you, and also maybe offer some outside-of-the-box ways to use things that are considered normal marketing methods. Um, And of course, I also want to touch in on when it might be time to kiss one of these goodbye. Now, originally, I was going to title this podcast uh, the same as a blog that I recently wrote called Podcast First Blog, but then I decided I want to open it up and go a little bit broader and give you a few more ideas as well. And hopefully these will inspire you to consider options that maybe you hadn't thought of or 
equally as valuable inspire you to ditch ones that you're just entirely sick of or uncomfortable with or are not working. Um, I was recently talking to a dear friend on Zoom about our similar backgrounds of growing up in households without very much money. We were kind of like swapping the life hacks our families use to save cash and improvise and be resourceful. And I mentioned that my mom used to work out two Jane Fonda videos using Campbell's soup cans. Now, in all honesty, I'm not even entirely sure if these were actual Campbell's brand or if we were still getting generic soup at that time. But in my head, somewhere in my childhood memory, there are Campbell's labels. So I'm just going to assume that that's what these were. My mom did a lot of Jane Fonda workouts, um, and sometimes I would even like stand alongside her and do them too. So I was watching one of the videos on YouTube the other day, and it was actually the exact same workout that my mom used to do. And I could like literally still to this day tell you almost every single exercise that was coming next. And when I was watching, I'm like, how did they get that much of a workout? But I guess any movement you do for like 90 minutes straight is, is good exercise. So anyway totally digress there. But as I was telling my friend the story, she yells out about the Campbell's soup cans. That sounds like a story. And it is. So I made a little note at the top of my page that day on just the notes I was taking on our call. Just said Campbell's soup cans, circled it. Now, here's a little tip for you. If you want to incorporate more stories into what you generate for content, I'm going to give you a pro tip and what I do with all stories like this. So it's either one of two things. First of all, one, sometimes when it pops into my head and I know exactly how I want to use it, I will just sit down right away and write down, write it down in a Google Doc or a notebook or maybe the notes app on my phone uh, or in a, just a really messy way and way too, it's usually way too wordy when it first comes out. Um, if I'm driving and I get the idea and it's very clear, I might use the voice memo thing. Secondly, if it's a good idea, but I don't know where it's going yet, kind of like this Campbell soup can thing. For example, I jot it down as the title of a Google Doc or a note in my phone, and then I just let it sit there. Like I just let myself think about the story for a while. I might add a couple bullet points as they pop into my mind or a few ideas for potential morals or outcomes, but a lot of times it just sits there for like weeks and sometimes even a month before I even know where it's going. So my tip for you is if you get a pop of a good story, even if you don't have any idea what it's going to be used for, uh, just get that down somewhere. Get it out of your brain and somewhere where you can come back to once you get clearer on what you want to do with it. So for in this instance, after our chat, I wrote down Campbell soup cans at the top of a Google Doc, and then I just let it hang out for a solid week. And as I let it sit, I started to remember some other pro-life hacks that my mom used to be really resourceful and save us some cash. And I can think of a lot of things that we did like as a family on the whole, but just speaking about my mom specifically here, for example, when my brother Luke's hand-me-down snow pants ripped, she duct taped them to patch them up. And I do have photo evidence of these snow pants. Um, when our winter boots started leaking, she took market basket bags and would wrap them around our ankles to keep our feet dry so we could just carry on. 
And I'm pretty sure that duct tape was involved in that solution as well. And she also would store loaves of bread and frozen vegetables, like other freezer items like that, in the trunk of a broken down car that sat in our driveway one winter because we didn't have freezer room and my mom had to make lots of toast and sandwiches for her hungry children. So this was before the chipmunks and mice figured out how to get into the trunk and eat the food. Um, But here's the thing. My mom was really good at, at being resourceful. And for a while growing up, I didn't even know that we were a family that did not have a lot of money. My mother was so inventive. Um, part of it was probably also because I was homeschooled and sheltered, so I didn't even know what I was missing. But namely, it is because my mom was always creating ways to use things in, in ways that she deemed them worthy of being used. She didn't care if a soup can is not usually a hand weight. My mom used it as one anyway. Who cares if you're supposed to sew pants instead of duct taping them? My mom decided it was duct tape for her. And who says a car cannot double duty as a freezer? So here's what I know and has become more abundantly clear to me over the past two and a half weeks. There is no zero, nil, none, no, right way to do this thing called content. There is no right way to do this thing called entrepreneurship, business growth, success. When you're an entrepreneur, you get to choose how you want to do this and what it looks like. And that can be really, really freeing. It can also feel really overwhelming and sometimes really, really lonely. So today, I definitely want to lean into the freeing aspect of it. But if you are feeling overwhelmed and somewhat isolated as your taking in and thinking of all of the options, you just come talk to me and I will help you get some clarity. It's what I do. Um, All right. And also to keep in mind, in making room for the freedom to do this our own way, we also have to let go of all the other stuff from all these other people saying that business should look like this way, your content plan should look this way, success is like this, scaling means X, Y, Z. I can tell you, I have been on the six-figure side of the coin and back again, and I've also been in it very deep watching other entrepreneurs' businesses too. And it doesn't mean as much as we make it out to mean. It doesn't mean that you're happy. It doesn't mean you like what you do. It doesn't mean you have a good relationship with your spouse. It doesn't mean your clients are getting good results. It doesn't mean you are not working 24-7, but it also doesn't mean you are. Um, And certainly, six figures doesn't mean that you... It doesn't always mean that you're taking six figures home and depositing it into your happy little bank account. So this is just to put things in perspective, like the journey is yours and yours alone and success means something different to every single person, including you. Um, So just for the purpose of this conversation, let's let go of the noise of what other people are telling us this should look like, what it should look like for you, and just allow yourself to do a little bit of exploring. Okay, pep talk over, I promise. Um, I was recently on Kim Dawson's The Sassy Strategist podcast as a guest, and she asked me, amongst so many brilliant questions, she's an excellent interviewer, why content was so important. Why am I, Emily, so all about content? For me, it's simple. I mean, first of all, I just love it. I love writing. I love creating. Um, But as for in the way that it serves entrepreneurs and my ideal clients, content is the one thing that all of us business owners and entrepreneurs have in common. Whether we are talking about a website, 
a something as simple as a vehicle wrapper, a business card, a podcast, the words you have describing your discovery call on that Calendly link you send out, the email you send your client before your kickoff call telling them what to expect next. Content really, for me, it's just a fancy way of saying communication. And communication is about connection and relationship building. It's a tool for communicating to your customers and your community. And I always say content is like a bridge. It's about building a bridge between my world and somebody else's. So in order to get clearer on the direction of your content and the how you want to communicate, you need to be clear on what you're communicating and who you are communicating to. You have to understand a little bit about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're struggling with, what they're concerned by, excited about, what's life like basically on their side of the lily pad. And I honestly feel like this is 50% of a solid content plan. Just figuring out who these people are. Then you just need to determine where you want to take them. And for some of you, this is really, really easy. You know who you want to help. You know how. Your services are very specific, defined, easy to explain. And for others, you're trying to figure things out. You're pivoting. You're experimenting. And I just want to say that that is okay too. I'm going to encourage you throughout this that as you experiment, make sure that you are giving things enough time. And if you're like, well, what is enough time? What's enough time, Emily? Um, There was recently something I'd been trying to make work for a solid two years. And every time I went to let it go, I would think to myself, nope, I'm just going to give it another month. I'm just going to give it one more month. I'm just going to give it one more month. Finally, the day came that I decided I could no longer give it one more month. When I finally stopped saying that to myself, then at that point, I knew that I had given it enough time. And it did take a lot of experimenting and sticking with it consistently before finally deciding I was going to let it go and it wasn't working for me. And I know that that's not a definitive answer, but as an entrepreneur, you probably have a little bit of an innate sense when you've given something your all for long enough and you are ready to say, I just don't want to do that anymore. It's just not working. It's not working for me. I'm not saying your experiments need to last two years like mine did, but sometimes they might need to. Um, And remember, it's not a failure. It is data. It's not failure. It's very extremely valuable feedback on how you want to move forward. All right. So now I want to get into some places that we can share all that everything is content, everything is content to consider creating or ditching. This is not going to be like an inclusive breakdown. There are some that I think are very, very important that I'm not going to talk about, like your website, for example, way bigger fish to fry, and that could be a podcast in and of itself. In fact, I think all of these are podcasts in and of themselves, but um, I'm going to focus on going and diving in deeper on some of these between guest episodes with perspectives, thoughts, and creative solutions for you so you and I can both learn and grow together in this area. As I said, content is one of the many things that I think unites us as entrepreneurs. So buckle up and off we go to content land. Of course, I would like to start with social media content. This is what most people think, many people think of when they think of content. First of all, I have heard people ask me, um, do you even need social media? Well, I desperately want to say no. Chances are, Most of you need social media for your business, especially if you're just starting out. But honestly, 
Social media these days is kind of like the modern storefront for your business. And in addition to your website, it's another way for people to check you out and learn more about you and what you're all about and what you offer. And it shows that your business is relevant and operational. Now, I did actually do an entire podcast episode on this, episode 95, back in May of 2021. If you want to go back and listen, my conclusion was that most businesses, even those who primarily build and grow through referrals and networking, can benefit from social media to some extent. Lots of people, like I said, go to social media to check you out, even apart from your website, and they use it to decide whether or not they're going to work with you. Um, having some sort of presence there is helpful in most cases. So now that we've established that, how do you choose between all the social media platforms? Because I think now we have, let's say, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Not sure if Clubhouse is still around. Um, Reddit. I'm sure I'm missing some. Uh, then after we pick out of all of those platforms, how do we pick from all of the different ways that those platforms have to share with us, uh, have for us to share? Here's one way to think of it. When choosing the places we want to focus on for social media, we have to take into consideration three things. First of all, where our people are. Second of all, where we like, where we like to be. And third, what we have bandwidth for to really be consistent. You need to think about where your ideal clients are and where when you are choosing your platform. Uh, for example, mine are, in fact, on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So I chose those three. Mine are probably also on TikTok as well. But I know that, going back to those three things, I have no desire to be on TikTok and I do not have the bandwidth to be consistent there. So I personally have chosen Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn because I know that that is where my ideal clients are. I enjoy all three of them and I have the bandwidth to be consistent. So whatever you choose for your social me media platform, do take into consideration what you like too because it's going to feel better and therefore come across more natural if you pick something that you actually enjoy and see results from. Or even if you just somewhat enjoy it, if you're like one of those people who just hate it all and don't like social media at all. Um, one thing I really love about social media as a form of content is that I do feel that there's kind of something for everyone, no matter what your sharing style is. So it's up to you to be really creative and think about that. Think about how you want to show up. You can, for example, you can create videos and use reels on Instagram. You can do lives. You can share long form content, short form content, quotes, inspiration, client wins, success stories. Um, you can reshare other people's content that you might find educational or insightful or just funny. Um, and there's also this opportunity to engage in a community and groups kind of like she built this. And I'm sure I'm missing a bunch, but there are a lot of ways to show up. And I would love for you to do a little thinking on which of those, if hopefully at least one, which of those feels best to you? And I'm going to give you just a personal example. I don't like reels, okay? Once in a while, I'll make one that's like totally unrelated to my business and features like my dog or a loaf of bread or a walk that I'm taking in the woods or something. But I do really like sharing to my, for example, my Instagram feed. I really love engaging in my She Built This group. I also use LinkedIn a little bit. 
But for me, LinkedIn, what I really love on it is more of the relationship building one-on-one and also sharing like articles and educational stuff and and exchanging thought uh, perspectives and thought. Um, I pretty much make these my sole areas of social media focus. And honestly, I pretty much show up in just those ways for every single one of them because then I can show up consistently and I can give it my all and it feels really natural because I like it. So I would challenge you to ask yourself, if you are pressuring yourself to do one of these that you really don't like, or you just can't keep up with, I would challenge you to ask yourself why. And then within that, look at like how you really enjoy sharing in those on those platforms. Like here's another great example. We've all seen those Tips Tuesdays threads, right? I do one weekly in the She Built This group. A lot of groups I'm a part of do them. Um, I also used to feel this pressure to do a Tips Tuesday kind of content for my own. But I started thinking about it and I'm not really the kind of gal that likes formulaic tips, hacks, one size fits all, tricks, roadmap, that kind of thing. So my tips look a little bit more like offering maybe a life takeaway or a story or here's something you might try or might read or here's something I just read or I tried. More like an invitation to explore your own curiosity and your what works for you than a tip, if you will. Once I made that ever so slight shift in my own content, my own educational content, we'll call it, it took a lot of pressure off me feeling like, okay, now I feel like I'm actually adding value without having to show up with the very best, shiniest tip. You can apply this to just about any of the forms of content that you're trying. If you feel like, for example, your calls to action, they all need to sound a certain way, but it just isn't working for you, like maybe it doesn't feel natural, try something else. Try inviting people to do something. Try asking them to send you a message instead of um, visiting the link in your bio. Try asking them a question and engaging back with them when they answer. Maybe some of you need to try being more uh, direct with your calls to action. But the more yourself you are, the better that all of this is going to feel and the better it will sound and read and be received on the other side too. And if you are wondering, what do you share on social? How do you organize it? I will, I promise you, I will circle back on that in one of these deeper dive episodes and we'll talk about that. Um, That is the stuff I love to talk about beyond words. So just to wrap it up with the social media content. Choose places your ideal clients are already spending their time and giving attention to and bridge that with what you can, what you enjoy, what you can reasonably handle being consistent with. And I do want to say throughout this whole episode, when I say consistent, that looks different for everyone. How often you show up is going to mean something different for you than it's going to mean for Sally. I can't speak to the algorithm here and like tell you what the best level of consistency is. But I know that from a trust building perspective, frequency is less important than consistency. So pick a frequency that works for you and feels good for you and that you can stay consistent with and then hold yourself to it. And you will go a long way in building trust. And make sure that 
no matter what social media platform, no matter what method you choose, um, make sure you're giving and receiving. Don't post and ghost. Don't constantly be selling and pushing yourself, but never giving people any value. And take time to leave other people thoughtful comments and give what you want to receive. Pretend, just pretend with me, um, that there is such a thing as social media marketing karma. And I think it will work out better for you. Lastly, no matter what you choose, just remember this isn't about creating content for the masses and attracting swaths of followers. This is about pouring into the followers that you have, being yourself, and creating content from people who want to hear from you and they're ready to start learning from you and working with you. So I, I think if you focus on quality versus quantity when it comes to followers and how you're talking to them, um, it will also help you go further and focus on just like your people, you know, not everyone, but your people. Okay, next up, I want to talk about lead magnets. For those of you who don't know, real quick, a lead magnet is a free item or service that you give away in exchange for typically an email address of your clients. Examples would be something like PDFs with tips or frameworks, discounts, audits, quizzes, free consults, etc., etc. Do you need a lead magnet? Maybe, maybe not. It depends. Not everyone needs a lead magnet. If your intention is to use email marketing to grow your email list and you love staying in contact with your customers via email, you might want to consider a lead magnet because it helps you to grow that list. I do think that many of us think of lead magnets as a PDF or a downloadable um, offering tips and solutions, but there are other ways to think outside the box. And just to call myself out on this, I'm in the process of going through this myself. My current opt-in is a guide to podcast pitching, and I promise you it is jam-packed with value but it's not attracting who I want to work with. It's attracting people who want to DIY podcast pitching, which I can most definitely help people with if they don't want to DIY it and they want my help, but mostly it's just DIYing. And yes, the link is in the show notes if you want to grab this podcast pitching guide and see it as an example or snag all the tips if you're looking to pitch podcasts, but I'm trying to think of and want to help you see that there are other cool ideas too, but really you want your lead magnet to be in line with where you, what step you want people to take with you next. Um, if you're an interior designer or a travel agent, you could think of like a quiz that helps your ideal client figure out what their design style is or where they should go on their next vacation, making you the clear next step in the process. Or it could be a quiz that led someone to an audio you created that was like specifically for their personality. Um, Jamie Chapman, she is a She Built This member, and she recently created a Mad Lib for her soon-to-be clients. So they get to enter fun adjectives, nouns, and it sends them back a story all about them and their business. Jamie is going to be on the show in September, so I'll let her tell you all about it then. But Thinking outside the box with our lead magnets. Your lead magnet, another great example, is actually a Facebook group or community. Um, if you set it up in a way where you collect emails and 
give them something helpful for maybe networking and engaging in the community or um, a piece of your framework in a, in an opt-in or a video. Um, here's where I see lead magnets not going well. First of all, when we create them in a way where it just doesn't really take people where we want them to go. For example, my podcast pitching guide, it gives people all the strategy for pitching podcasts, but then it doesn't really have anything to do with working with me. Um, and secondly, when we focus them on what we think people need to know about us. For example, download my five reasons you should hire me guide. Download my here's what it's like to work with me guide. Download my signature process. Instead, you have to ask yourself the question, what would be helpful to them at the stage that they're receiving this uh, lead magnet or this opt-in in? If you're a sleep consultant, for example, a good one would be five sanity saving tips for you if your child just won't sleep through the night, making you the next step. If you're a coach, what to do when you're lacking clarity or five ways to boost your confidence or how to create a personalized morning routine. Um, I'm definitely going to be rethinking this right alongside you and trying to come up with one that is content related very soon. So stay tuned. But all of this to say that if you don't have any interest in doing email marketing or following up with these people that you sent the lead that that got the lead magnet, uh, you, it might not be for you. Um, this might be really helpful for you to start thinking about if, say, you're in the middle of building a new website right now and your web designer is asking you, you can really think about whether or not email marketing is something that you're going to be using to warm up cold or cool traffic coming to your site. And if you do decide to go with a lead magnet, thinking about how can you get creative with it? Is there a freebie video course or class or an exclusive audio with like a bonus meditation? What if there's something that they printed out and looked at every single day on their desk and it had your name and logo right on it? What is something that's so valuable that they would want to print it out and it could be sitting right there on their clipboard next to them and they're looking at your name and logo every single day? How can you give people something that is helpful to them, not just a one sheet of all your client testimonials and how great it is to work with you. That probably will not get them to give up their valuable email address in exchange for what you're offering. Okay, time to talk about one of my personal favorite forms of content, blogs. And just so you know where we're going with this, after blogs, we're going to do podcast, email marketing, Facebook groups, and then we're done. Okay, blogs. Do you need one? While I think that most businesses can benefit from having a blog, you do not necessarily need one. First off, I'm a content writer. I love writing. I also have a really good repurposing strategy, so every single blog I do gets the most bang for its buck. I love creating blogs. I love creating blogs with an SEO mindset so that it helps to drive traffic to my website. And I see my blogs working. People click links off my blog that take them places like listening to my podcast, coming to programs, working with me, joining She Built This. So for me, it's a no-brainer. I want a blog. People often ask me, well, isn't blogging dead? Um, and the answer is no, blogging is not dead. Actually, 77% of internet users still read blogs. And businesses that blog get more website visitors and they get 67% more leads than those that don't. 
34% of people read blogs to learn something new, 20% it's just for entertainment, and 12% like to learn about news and trends in their industry. So let's real quick just talk about the pros and cons. And again, if you want a really thorough description of um, strictly blog versus podcast, I will include the link to the recent blog I wrote in the show notes. So the pros on blogging, blogging can really help you with your SEO strategy and website traffic. Um, You don't need much tech or know-how to blog. And if you have really nice, clear calls to action, you can draw new leads to working with you or entering into your world all through your blog. What I love about blogs is that they can be broken down and used for tons of other bits of content, including a podcast episode, a video, uh, social media posts, email, the list goes on. Let's talk about the cons. Blogs take time. It takes time to write a blog. You have to, I would recommend you include SEO research in your blog, break it down into other usable bits, editing, it's time consuming. There is also a lot of competition out there. For example, a pretty common topic for me to blog about would be on like, let's say, creating a content plan for social media. Guess how many searches a month that that topic gets? It's somewhere like 880, and it's not a very easy one to rank for. So with over 70 million blog posts being sent forth into the universe every month, it's tough to rank for some of the things that we really want to so we can stand out from the noise. Um, And lastly, This is a con, but also a pro. Your blog needs to have value. And let me just get into that real quick. When I say value, I don't mean sharing about the recent award you won or the dinner your company sponsored or all the products you're launching this month and the features they have. Those are great press releases or news articles. You might include them on your blog, But what I mean is you have to think like your reader. You have to think, what do they want to read? What they might want to know is how could they get nominated for more awards? What are 10 tips you could get them to help walk them through the process? And you can even start it by sharing about that award you just won or wrap it up with that. They might also like to know 10 out-of-the-box ways to get more visible with their business, which might include sponsoring events. And then you get to talk about the one you just sponsored. Um, And maybe they want a side-by-side comparison of two products you offer like baby swaddles, and which one is a better choice for them depending on their baby's unique personality. Also, with blog titles, I've learned that we really have to focus it on what people are searching for, kind of what questions they're asking, um, because that's what's going to help to catch their attention when they see the title and let them know like, oh, this could be helpful information for me. So this is what I mean when I say it's a little bit time consuming, like a blog is a whole vibe, if you know what I mean. But the glorious thing about blogs... Uh, my favorite pro of all the ones I mentioned and my favorite thing to do with them is that they are so, so, so incredibly full of other pieces of content. If you do a 10 things people need to know before starting a podcast, you can then break that down into 10 social media posts, standalone or posts that lead back to the blog itself. You can use it for emails. You can use it as video. You can do a podcast on it. It's magical. Um, so if you do go for a blogging strategy, Remember to keep your audience in mind and what will be valuable for them and set yourself up for success by being consistent with it. Remember, blogging is a long game and it does take a while sometimes to get traction. Um, And this is like one of my favorite things to brainstorm on. So if you want to blog and you aren't sure what to blog on, just give me a holler. Okay, let's talk about podcasts. 
despite what you hear, I am a firm believer that not everyone needs a podcast. Podcasting is awesome. But it is because that is one thing I super duper love to do. If talking and audio is not your thing, you don't have to do it and you don't have to make it your thing. If you can't come up with content ideas at the get-go of planning your podcast, it might not be your thing. Podcasting is a really good choice for you if you are so excited about what you do, you're so excited about the community that you serve, and you have oodles of options and ideas, and you do not see yourself running out of content for a very, very long time. The pros of podcasting, it's a very low barrier of entry, so it's not that hard to get started. Just get a nice mic, map out your content plan, figure out how to edit or outsource the editing and hit publish and voila. I mean, there's a couple more steps in there, but that's the gist. Now, this low barrier of entry is both a blessing and a curse because what I see is a lot of people start podcasts and then decide after a month that it's not for them, which kind of like adds to the podcast noise um, and, and how many are actually out there. So if, if that feels like it might be you, you can dip your toes in instead of diving in head first and see if you like doing it for a little while. For example, you could start a private audio feed. You could have a Facebook Live in podcast form or do something smaller scale that will allow you to feel it out without starting and then quitting. Another pro about podcasting is it builds brand connection. People get to hear your voice and then they start to hear your voice in their head when they're going about their day. Um, it's a very, very nice human to human connection. And I do feel that every podcaster I listen to is like one of my friends. Um, podcasting can also be part of your SEO strategy and really help with those marketing efforts when it's done right. And with a little bit of a plan in place or know-how, you can really bring new people into your world that don't know anything about you or what you do yet. And again, podcasts are gloriously full of repurposeful content. Most podcasts contain an entire blog in and of themselves, an email, a video. Some are even a whole course or workshop. But remember, just like blogs, podcasts are time consuming. There's also a lot of competition out there. Um, and it might be worth checking in and seeing if the people who are already following you would be interested in listening to a podcast from you. Your podcast has to offer value to the listeners. Like people always want to know what's in it for them. And value could mean a lot of different things. It could mean sheer entertainment. It could mean tips, resources, inspiring stories, just straight up ear candy. But you have to think like them to figure out what that value is, what it looks like. And if you do decide podcasting for you is for you, the next question is how often do you want to do it? And only you can answer that, but I would highly encourage you to determine and choose a frequency you can keep up with, wait for it, consistently. Um, it's really, really important to be consistent. Don't expect your podcast to take off right away. I heard an expert podcast marketer the other day say he tells his clients they can expect to see traction after they hit the 24-month mark. It is for sure uh, a really, really long game. And just real quick, if you want some alternatives to podcasting, um, I already mentioned some like doing lives or videos. But one thing I also would recommend is being on other people's podcasts because it's a great way to share your value, your frameworks. You can like kind of experiment with and try new content. Uh, content. You can get new leads and you might also 
venture into being a speaker at workshops and events or running your own workshops. Those are other really good alternatives to having a podcast. And if you do so happen to want help pitching to podcasters, I mean... I guess my podcast pitching guide is coming in handy after all. So the link for that will definitely be in the show notes um, if you want to kind of like get a little leg up on how to pitch podcasters. My favorite thing about podcasting is, well, actually all of it. Um, I also love the repurposing aspect. I love that a podcast can drive my content strategy. I love that it gives me time to go deeper on questions I get asked or that I'm curious about myself when I have guests. And I really love the community that uh, is built around a podcast. Alrighty, and if you're getting antsy, we are almost done here. We're going to do email marketing and Facebook groups. Email marketing, no surprise here, it's another favorite of mine. My favorite catchphrase is, it was in the email. Um, I guess you're probably also just spotting a theme in general that I love all the content, but email, in my opinion, is super great, no matter how big or small your audience size. If you have a small list, you can still use email to stay top of mind and give you a place to deliver value and share when you have something that will really help to benefit them. What I love about email is it kind of feels like a one-to-one conversation. I mean, really that's what all content should be, but with email, it's just you and them in their inbox. And by reading it, they've already given you, by opening it, They've already given you that yes of their time and attention. I did a great podcast with guest Mira Cotend recently on email marketing specifically. So definitely go back and listen to that one if email marketing is something you want to dive into deeper. I love email because it's conversational, it's cozy, it's a really good place for you to stretch those consistency muscles, and it can also be broken down into lots of delightful chunks of content. I bet you knew I was going to say that. But here's the thing. You don't need email. You don't need email if you don't like it, if you don't have time, energy, ideas, a desire to be consistent, Or if you don't have an email list at all, that's okay too. You don't need to do it. One lady I'm on the list of, I really like what she does. She doesn't send it out from an email provider like MailChimp, Constant Contact, or anything like that. She just sends it personal from her email. And I'm fairly certain that everyone must be blind carbon copied or because I don't think she's sending them all individually, but she just sends out like a positive inspiration or a weekly message, message straight from her. And it feels like it's really coming right to you. It's awesome. Um, So that's my thoughts on email marketing. And I have many, many more thoughts. But again, I recommend you go listen to Mira Cotin's episode. And then we can talk about email. I will make sure I get some more guests on my show talking about email because that's a hot topic. Um, Last but not least, Facebook groups. Do you need a Facebook group? I will be the first one to tell you with the laughy emoji that a Facebook group is not for everyone. I think Facebook groups are fantastic ways of building community and relationships. And when they're done right, they can offer a lot of value for your people. And they can also give you really good visibility and help you to uh, set yourself apart as an expert. I do not love when I am part of a Facebook group And it's clearly just a selling tool for the person hosting. Or 
they start a Facebook group and everyone's all excited and then boom, we get sold to right out of the gate, like warm us up first. Or if you're part of a Facebook group and it's just clearly the me, me, me show of the person running it and every single thing is about them. The She Built This Facebook group has been a four-year endeavor for me so far. It's been really engaged and an excitable bunch, if I do say so myself, from the get-go. But I tell you what, we have been through a lot together as a group. We've been through pivots, pandemics, wars, elections, policy changes. I have seen businesses and friendships completely change into different places than when we all first started four years ago. And I can honestly say that there were times when running away sounded a lot more appealing to me than being the leader of a community. It's a big responsibility. I love the members of my community so, so very much, and I so believe in what I do. And that is what has kept me um, going and showing up consistently to support them in every single way possible. For me, the group has always been and will always be about our mutual success as a group. I genuinely want every single person who comes into the group to feel cozy, like these are their people. I want them to make a new friend. I want them to feel supported, cheerleaded, not alone. And I think that's a really good reason if that if you are like, yes, I want all of those things for my people too. That is a really good reason to start a Facebook group because that's immense value for the people that you're starting it. There are, of course, many, many other good reasons. I'm simply saying you might want to reconsider if the only reason is just to get more sales, because I don't think that's going to keep you going uh, in the long term. What happens when that doesn't work? What happens if that doesn't work right away and you feel discouraged? At the end of the day, what is in it for the people joining? Make it about the people. <laughs> um, and if the sound of having a Facebook group is exhausting to you, if community building is like not really your thing, you don't have to do it. I will admit to you that it is tiring sometimes. It requires a level of showing up and being consistent and setting your boundaries. It's not for everyone. Um, and I'm going to get deeper into Facebook groups in another episode or just online communities in general. But I do want to give you two tips if you decide to go Facebook group and an alternative. Tip number one, make it about the members of the group, not about you. Obviously, share your stories, your personality, your expertise, your experience. Like the flavor of the group is what you decide it's going to be. But remember to keep the focus on your members and make them feel like it's a party they want to attend. That's what makes a party so great is the host takes into consideration how the members feel. Tip number two, show up consistently. Again, it's whatever that means for you. I can't tell you how many Facebook groups I leave because there is zero action after I join or I'm considering leaving right now because it's just crickets and I don't like being part of too many things and I'm going to leave the ones that are crickets. Um, last but not least, a great alternative to starting a Facebook group is joining other people's Facebook groups and engaging and giving value and providing content in there. Make sure you follow the rules, but do make connections and give and you will do just fine. I promise you. Being part of other people's groups is a great way to share your content. It's a great way to get referrals. It's a great way to make new friends. And you also get to learn a lot about your ideal clients because hopefully you're joining groups in which your ideal clients are. Okay, that's it. That is my content 
and communication roundup. And I know that that was a lot. I know it was a lot of different ways I gave you to communicate your message. And I really wanted to paint a big, big, broad picture so that we can start to dive in deeper on each of these. Um, Here's my point. First of all, here's my main point, I should say. I had a lot of points, if I do say so myself. Um, My main point is that, first of all, no one can tell you a soup can cannot be a hand weight. You get to figure out whatever healthy mix of all of this communication, all of this content, all of these showing up, what looks right and feels right for you. And secondly, no one is telling you need to do it in the first place. You can ditch any of these. Um, I would, I guess, call me first if you're going to ditch all of them, but you can ditch any of these that you're feeling like, eek, this is not cutting it for me anymore, or I just can't keep up with it all, or I want to try something new and I have to let something go in order to try something new. Whatever you choose, however you decide to show up, please be consistent for no other reason than to give it a fair chance and to test and experiment with what is working well so that you can keep doing more of that. And also, ask yourself the question of what your people are coming to you for in the first place. Um, I would encourage you, your content is a beautiful, beautiful communication tool. And in my opinion, it is our way of spreading more positivity, more life-changing results, and more abundance into the world. And that includes the abundance of you growing your business. Um, So let me know if any of this challenge you to rethink any of the methods you're using. Maybe you're going to add one. Maybe you're going to take one away. Or maybe it gave you permission to focus on something that you love versus trying to do them all. You can always find out more about me and how I can help you in your content endeavors and also figure out this whole content puzzle at emilyaborn.com. I'm starting a small group program on Monday, July 25th. It's called the Marketing Momentum Lab, and I'm offering it to just a couple of solopreneurs who are serious about increasing their visibility through content and some other out-of-the-box methods. And what you're going to walk away with is a strategy unique to you on how to do it. Not what anyone else is telling you to do, not the way that anyone else is telling you to do, but on what feels best and works for you that is going to help you reach your ideal clients. The link for that is in the show notes, um, or you can visit emilyaborn.com and it's right at the top. Just click group program in the navigation bar. So I hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you this inspires you, like I said, to spread more positivity and abundance into the world. And that's all I got for you today. So see you next time. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.